at the root of it all, I think gratitude really runs a lot of the things that we do. Hey, Victor, welcome to Generation Slay. I'm so excited to have you. Hey, Emma, thanks for having me. So to kick things off, I'd love for you to tell the audience who you are and a little bit about your background and what you do. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so I'm, I'm Victor. I am currently a sophomore at Fordham. Um, and I guess I've been dabbling into entrepreneurship for the last couple of years. Um, it started back in 2016 when I um, just co-founded a small like nonprofit uh, project with my friends where we uh, went to Ningxia, China, um, which is like a impoverished rural area. Um, And we were uh, there to just give education opportunities to students. So provide scholarships, um, you know, teach them English, uh, you know, pretty much like the, you know, typical mission trip stuff. Um, And just, you know, we're really uh, you know, after the trip really into it and, um, really were touched by the children, um, you know, saw a lot of like, you know, inequality and were exposed to a lot of different viewpoints and perspectives. So the following year, we partnered with a couple of nonprofits, expanded, um, the curriculum that we were offering, uh, and raised a lot more money to be able to send, uh, you know, more children through high school. So they would be able to then, save up for tuition to go to college. Um, and otherwise they would have to drop out by middle school. And yeah, that was just a uh, project earlier in my life. And um, that led me to co-found my startup, Bound. Um, you know, we've been through an accelerator program. We've, um, you know, raised VC funding and um, towards the end of our sort of, uh, our time with Bound, we were creating a machine learning platform that helped companies optimize their meetings just by using their calendar data. So, you know, we partnered with, you know, a, a pretty large variety of companies around New York City. Um, you know, they was able to get a lot of data on, uh, you know, what works best for these companies in terms of um, when they had these meetings, what type of meetings they had, um, you know, what time of day with who, and we're able to help them optimize it so that they can go on and do more, uh, you know, do more with their company. Um, and yeah, and, and ever since then, um, we were then, then I joined uh, Wise Assistant, where I'm the head of growth now. And um, we're sort of in the same lane with uh, using AI in a consumer or SaaS product um, to be able to help people uh, style their lives by optimizing their day-to-day. Um, so yeah, overall, just uh, a long journey of, of startups and, um, you know, within like in between intern and and work for a variety of uh, startups and VCs and yeah, just really love this space Um, with, and yeah, I do this with the purpose of, uh, you know, raising the prosperity of humanity and that's my purpose statement. And yeah, I hope to do that with like more um, with, with larger uh, products and, and uh, to be able to reach like a larger vision in the future. Okay. So, you know, I am literally obsessed with, everything you've done. Um, but I want to start with near the nonprofit. You said that like the second year you raised even more money to put even more young people through school. How 
at that age, how in high school did you figure out how to organize all of this, how to raise money? That's not something that they teach in high school. So how did you figure that all out um, on your own or did you have mentors? How did that all work? That's a great question. Um, I would say that uh, I guess like starting off when I was young, uh, I think I just really craved, um, you know, I think looking back, I mean, in the moment it felt, you know, it was just like, um, I was just trying to hustle and it, it was really like, it felt really great doing it um, to, to build this nonprofit that I could be proud of. But looking back on it, I think growing up, there wasn't a lot of times where I could feel very significant. Um, I grew up in sort of an, uh, an Asian, a very sort of, sort of traditional um, Asian community where, uh, you know, grades and academic achievement were looked, up, looked upon like uh, far beyond, you know, many of your other attributes that could also, uh, you know, make you a very successful person, right? Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, working on this uh, project that was larger than myself at the time gave me the sense of purpose and significance that I never really experienced. So um, I think a lot of the times when people want to do these projects and have this idea in their mind, um, they stop themselves because, you know, they go back to their level of comfort. But I think at that time, I saw this cool new project for me as my comfort, you know, what wasn't comfortable was like going to school and at that time, you know, not getting the best grades um, and, you know, getting beat by my other peers and like always being in this competitive environment. I would rather be working on this cool project and like galvanizing other people. Um, so I think it was just the, uh, yeah, the opportunity to be able to break free from my environment. I... Love that and totally relate. I was definitely raised in a very competitive, high-pressure high school environment as well and also found comfort in those side hustles that allowed me to be more creative and work on the things I was more passionate about that weren't really pushed yeah. through in school. So I totally feel that. Um, so moving on to... Bound, which you were the co-founder and CEO of, which is crazy because you are literally still in college and you've been a CEO. Um, how did you learn to utilize AI? I am an idiot. So like, I don't even know, is that coding? Like, how do you learn those skills? Because it seems so immensely complicated how did yeah. you figure that all out? I think I started coding basically out of necessity. Um, so 2016 summer is when I co-founded Bound. Um, we, co we started it out of a accelerator program based out of Boston. And yeah, and it was just like a sort of a typical high school program where they like group um, some kids and then they pair you with mentors and they like teach you the whole startup process. And um, within my group, there turned out there'd be like no coders. Um, and yeah, and I was like, I didn't fly out here, um, to just like not have a project to show for, you know? So I started, um, teaching myself how to code, right? I just like this typical code academy or like, um, and I picked up like learn Python the hard way, which is a book. Um, it's very popular and yeah. And I just, I just started coding, um, built my first prototype, um, that, that summer, um, out of Java, uh, and and use like android studio um but yeah over the then um the past 
four years. Um, to, to be fair, I didn't code as much as I wanted to, but I, you know, I slowly like built up my skills and I've been a lot more serious about it ever since quarantine started. Uh, you know, I, I took it on full time cause I was still on my gap year. So I didn't have school. And around June, I picked up a, uh, software engineering internship for a LA based tech company where I, you know, continue to grow my skills as a front end developer and, and yeah, and, and here we are now. So I think it was just like a slow progression. I think it just comes out of like the enjoying it, you know, like, a lot, I don't know, like coding doesn't seem like it's for everyone. I wouldn't think it's for me. And honestly, like sometimes I don't think it is, but I just sort of connect to like the larger picture of being able to build cool things that can change people's lives at scale. And yeah, and that drives me. So I think it's, <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question, but. It did. I love it. <laughs> Um, And then you also mentioned, you kind of explained the accelerator program for Bound, but you also mentioned that you guys had VC funding, which is like a beast of its own in terms of like figuring it out, understanding it. It seems so intimidating. Now there's like VC Twitter and VC Clubhouse and like it seems like a difficult place to get into and to understand so, like, what was that process and experience like? And how did you figure it out? Like, did that accelerator help you with that? What was the process like? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, during the accelerator, there's actually, like, I think we got, we got like, a press feature in, like, Boston's, you know, tech, tech, what, like, one of their tech publications, you know? And AVC actually reached out to us. And that was the first time I've ever, you know, heard of anything of, about VC outside of like Shark Tank. <laughs> and yeah, it was a super intimidating process, uh, believe it or not, for me at 16. I had like all the mentors uh, huddle around me and just like try to help me through this meeting and like prep me and like tell me what to order at the restaurant. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and that was a hilarious, um, but yeah, really memorable process. But yeah, over, over the years, definitely got more attuned with it, immersed myself more in the VC space. I think for, I think especially when you're young and you're trying to raise uh, money, it's uh, just about who you know, right? Um, I, I mean, that's like VC in general, but especially when you're young, treating these people, even associates in these firms, or even, you know, like depends on who you, who you can meet, right? A lot of times they aren't like really willing to take too many meetings, but like the ones that are, you know, just treat them like a mentor sort of thing. You know, I think for the ones that were able to meet with me, I think they were, they were, their outlook was that, you know, they're just helping a young kid that is super ambitious and, um, you know, maybe like their help can go on to reap returns for them in the future when, you know, a project takes off and, and they're able to be a part of it. Right. So yeah, just like treat them like as mentors, build your relationship over time. And when it comes time to actively raise, you have your, you know, network of people to build a syndicate around. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's just about, it's just about meeting people and just not, not being too greedy, right? Not expecting anything um, in return um, than just, you know, meeting a really great person that's really smart that can help you through a lot of things. 1000%. I'm just curious because obviously I completely agree about like just building the relationships as building blocks and like hopefully it grows when you come to like you're doing rounds of funding, investments, whatever. But how do you... If you're a kid who, like, has no connections, doesn't know anyone in the investment or VC space, how do you 
meet these people initially? How do you reach out to them in like a way that's well received or not overbearing or try hard? Like how do you how do you find these people? How do you make these connections if you don't have anyone who can introduce you? Okay. If you don't have anyone that can introduce you, I would say the first thing, I think uh, Gary Vee talks about this a lot. Um, but yeah, I think just start DMing people or hit people up. Um, if you really have like, you know, sort of like nothing, you know, um, in terms of like stuff that you can offer or, or a company that you're affiliated with, I feel like Instagram DMs would be a pretty, would, a, would be a pretty good place. Um, I, I do it sometimes and I've been able to meet like pretty cool people on there that, you know, I look up to that. I don't think if I sent them a LinkedIn or email would, you know, that, 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 that would get across Insta DMs though. I know it's like, it's probably not the best norm or, and it's probably not like, <laughs> it's sort of annoying sometimes, but like, if, yeah, if, if you're really able to like be active on there and reach out to people that you're looking to meet, then I think that, you know, you can start slowly building a, a small community around you. Um, once you do that, I think, Oftentimes people think that they don't have a lot to offer, but I, you know, I always say like one thing that you can always offer is, you know, your network, right? So once you build your initial network, what you can start doing as um, an offering to meet new people is like, you know, when you take these meetings or even like in, in your outreach, just say like, you know, I also know a couple people in this space, um, or I see that you're mutuals with this and this, um, and, you know, I could connect you with a couple people, um, you know, if, if you think that'd be valuable for you and yeah. And, and I think that's just, uh, that's, that's still something that I use to, you know, meet new people. And I think it's like, I, I see it less as, you know, a game where you're just like trying to grow your network as large as you can. I, I rather see it as something where, you know, you're genuinely trying to help people because it's a good thing to do and it feels good. And in effect, you know, you, you're building this network that you can eventually, you know, go to, uh, when you want to collaborate with people or, you know, like find, find business partnerships or whatever. So um, build it, build your initial thing off. You know, I think LinkedIn and Insta DMs is like the best way to go. I think email is a little harder, uh, but yeah, once you have your initial network, then you can fully utilize a lot of other different channels to be able to uh, leverage your own connections. I 100% agree. Um, jumping forward to Wise Assistant now. You are back at school and mm-hmm. you're the head of growth at WISE. How are you, how do you balance that? How in the past have you balanced these startups as well as school? Do you have tips? Is there some sort of cheat code, you know, to getting it all done that the rest of us don't? How do you do it? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I, I'm not sure how I balance it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, I definitely don't compromise on sleep. I get my, uh, seven to eight hours. I do, uh, wake up very early. And I think that a lot of the times in the morning I can dedicate to, you know, cause usually like classes not start till, um, eight or 10. And, you know, if you have work or something that doesn't start, you know, till much later. Right. So if you wake up at like five or six, you have like a couple hours in the morning to be able to get the work done that you, that you need. So I find that that always helps me. I also think it's just about like, like I'm big on like the 80, 20 rule, um, which is that uh, the Pareto principle, right? Which is that like, you can get 80% of the return through doing 20% 
of the input or, or the work that you need to do. So 20% of the most important things will get you 80% of the return. And yeah, that's how I see it. Like even with like studying or with school, yeah, like I, tr- like for example, like doing homework is something where people can, you know, will often just like do it just to get it done. But I try to learn as much as I can through the homework so that when I'm done, you know, I don't have to do that much studying <laughs> afterwards. Um, just like, like weird examples like that, uh, or even at work, um, I just try to leverage, you know, what the most important tasks are to be able to get us from point A to point B. And yeah, and when I advocate for like the kind of work that I will be doing or the work I'll be delegating, it's not, you know, I, I, I try to not to stay away from busy work just so that I can put less on my plate, but I'm doing more important things. But yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's my approach. I love that approach. And I love that you are capable of figuring out those priorities and those important tasks and delegating. I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with, especially young people, because, you know, like we're all starting to work. We're starting to figure this out. So knowing how to prioritize and figure out what's the most crucial can be super difficult. Have you found any way to like differentiate and figure out what things are the most important and what to prioritize? Or is it just a matter of like, this is the biggest project. So this is what we'll be doing first. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I have like a very clear cut way, but I do ask myself like a couple of important questions, right? Like some of the things I ask is like, um, you know, whether it pertains to my goals or not. So I'm, I'm pretty big on goal setting. I have like yearly and quarterly goals that I do actively like put steps in place to, you know, accomplish them. And, and yeah, and, and some of them, you know, like my tasks are like, are, are centered around these certain goals. Um, and yeah. And I, I think like, while in the, you know, in like the whole cluster of like a very busy day, it's very hard to uh, stay focused. I think, you know, having those that are aligned that, I mean, that align your day is, is pretty good. I, I also journal and, you know, I set off like my top three tasks um, that I need to accomplish for the day in addition to like other tasks that, you know, may or that are like may or may not be done, but it's okay. And let's see. I also like ask myself often whether what I'm doing will have a very large return in the future. And I sort of ask myself like what the return is on my particular task. So you know, for the past few months, it's been it has been hard to like delegate, I mean to um to like, yeah, prioritize between school, the coding that I'm doing on the side and, and work. And yeah, and, and sort of like the way I de- uh, sort of like break off my time is also based off of like how much I think this certain activity will return in the future. And um, yeah, if it returns more then you know, I invest more of my time into it. I also keep in mind that there are like diminishing returns to like doing one thing too much, which is why I try to like break off my time pretty equally into um, a couple of my, like the basic life domains, right? Like social and physical and make sure I have a balanced life. But yeah, other than that, uh, just, just ask myself questions, I think. I am absolutely obsessed with that. I think I could definitely learn from that. And many, many people could as well. Unfortunately, we are nearing time, but I feel like I have gotten so much knowledge and like information from you. So I'm not mad about it. And I know when you have like 
a new role that you're CEO of in a year, we'll be talking again. But before I let you go, do you have one big piece of advice or one piece of advice that you've gotten over the years that has been like very, very helpful to you that you'd like to share with everyone else? Ooh. <laughs> um, I did start life coaching and I'm going to try to channel that really quickly to think of like the best thing I could say. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just like being grateful every day, right? Um, I think that is at the center of a lot of the things I do. You know, like we can often focus on these smaller things, um, like smaller branches of uh, as a part of life, like productivity or, you know, like staying focused um, and whatnot. But I think at the root of it all, I think gratitude really runs a lot of the things that we do. Um, being grateful for every day means that you're more present, that you're, you know, living life with purpose and meaning because, you know, you are really grateful of the position you're in. And, and always finding something to be grateful for makes sure that your mind isn't clouded and that, you know, you're waking up every day being positive and beaming. And I think, yes, uh, be grateful. I think that can really help change a lot of people's lives. Um, and, and yeah. I am obsessed with it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on Generation Slay today. This has been amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Emma. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Generation Slay. I hope that we'll see you again next week and you can make that a lot easier for yourself by subscribing on whatever your podcast platform of choice is. And then if you want to do me a real quick solid and pop over to Apple Podcasts if you have access to it and give us a little five-star review a little comment about how much you love us or how much you love this week's guest. It would mean the world. It would make life so much easier. Also, just as a final little update for you, you can follow Generation Slay on basically all the socials, but I'd focus on Instagram and Twitter at Generation Slay. You can follow me at Emma Havy on all the socials. And I would highly suggest popping over to Clubhouse if you can and following me at Emma Havy because I am doing some fairly regular convos with our guests and other wonderful Gen Zers over there where all y'all can hop in, ask your questions, and we can make it more conversational than just this podcast. So once again, thanks for listening and I'll see you next week. Bye.